72% of entrepreneurs are struggling with mental health. Most don't ask for help. Today is the day we change that. Today is the day we prioritize and destigmatize mental health. We are entrepreneurs, visionaries, high achievers, change makers. We defy the odds every single day. We dream the biggest dreams. We fail and fall flat on our faces. We get up and try harder. We believe in our ideas even when everyone around us doubts them. We are driven to find the solutions to the world's biggest problems. We speak because our voice matters. We show up because we make a difference. We share our most vulnerable stories because we know someone can finally find the courage to share theirs. And in our collective sharing, we rise, we heal, and we embody brave visibility. This conversation was so powerful, you guys. As mothers, Kimmer and I wanted to start a convo about children's mental health because problems can start at a very young age and it's important to address them right away so our children can grow into confident, happy adults. Our guest, Claire Pearson, specializes in helping children with mental toughness with her company, Pivotal Mind. In this episode, we dove deep into positive affirmation exercises, teaching kids how to create meaningful connections, and showing our children that taking care of their mental health is the same importance as taking care of their physical health. Keep on listening to this episode if you want to support your kids in true mental health. Hey, everyone. Welcome to the Brave Visibility Podcast. I am Kimra Luna here with Yasmin. And Yasmin and Al. And we are super excited to bring on our next guest because she is such a powerful educator when it comes to the mental health of children. And I know as entrepreneurs, a lot of us have kids or, or even thinking about having kids. And we want to make sure that, you know, we are being mindful of our of our children's mental health. And so I'm super excited to bring Claire on. She's an amazing resource. And um, so anyway, so hey, Claire, welcome. Hello, Kimra. Hi, Yasmin. Thank you for that lovely introduction. It's a pleasure to be here on your podcast. Well, thank Welcome. you for for wanting to be for wanting to be on here and being part of this. So, um, so yeah, so you have a lot of experience working with with children, and you know, I'm a mother. Yasmin's a mother. I'm sure a lot of um, of the listeners here are parents, and you know, like I really feel like nowadays it, it's such an important topic that we're taking care of kids' mental health. And one of the things that comes up quite a lot, especially because, you know, living in the New York City area, you know, like when kids are in the playground, there's tons of kids. And I feel like I can see the difference between parents who are actually tending to their kids' mental health versus the ones that aren't, uh, just based off of like behaviors and things. And and there'll be some kids that are super aggressive and and things like that. And and so I my question is is really like, when your kids are like around other kids and around their peers, like if they're around a kid who's like more aggressive, does that mean they just would take on behaviors similar to those kids? Or is it really like just completely different based off of how their mental health is being taken care of? Because I've kind of almost been scared that like, well, if my kid's around this kid that's behaving that way, 
is that going to rub off on my kid? It may sound like, seem like a weird question, but I've always thought, like wondered that about behaviors and yeah. kids. No, that's, it's a really interesting point that you've raised. I would say one of the things that I educate children about when I'm talking about their own mental health and well-being is that you can only control your own words, your own actions, and your own behavior. You are completely responsible for those things. You can't control other people's behavior and you shouldn't even try. You can only respond to what somebody else does. Mm. Now, with, with children, there's a lot of emotions. You know, they, they tend to run on emotions a lot, which is when you can get some of the reactive, aggressive behavior happening. But if you set a good example for your children from a very early age that, you know, Emotions are fine and we all experience emotions and quite rightly, you know, you mentioned mindfulness. We're mindful, we experience emotions, but we don't have to stay stuck in them. Mm. We can start engaging the logical side of the brain and responding to things and, and just noticing what's going around without really getting involved in the drama of things that are happening, particularly at school. You know, they've got, peer conflicts often happen at school and it's telling children Conflict is fine. It's absolutely fine. It's normal. And just know who you are. Just understand what you believe in, what your beliefs are, what your values are. And it doesn't matter if you disagree with somebody else at all. That is what makes the world go round. Love it. And I think that that's really something that you know, with my own kids, it's important to talk to them about because people do have differing opinions. People do have different viewpoints. You know, sometimes the other kid might not act how my kid is like, I'm uncomfortable with that. And, you know, teaching them that it's okay. Everybody feels differently. Um, Because I think also when they start understanding other kids, they can start understanding themselves, right? Yes. Yeah. And and just as yeah, just have a great tolerance for different people of, of different viewpoints, different characteristics. And one of the things that I get children to do when they come in, not so much the younger ones, but the adolescents, is I do get them to really investigate their values. And that once they look at their values, they do a little activity with me. And, it, you know, it takes a good hour, an hour and a half for us to really investigate that. And then I say to them, okay, right, so they're your five values that you hold dearly in your life that are really important to you. But look how how many other values there are. Now, do you see why sometimes there are conflicts? Because we all think that we're walking around with exactly the same values as other people, Mm. but we're not. Something that you might find a really high value in your life might be completely different to another person. And yeah. it's when you start explaining this and really just taking away the mystique of people and, and just educating people about different personalities, different belief systems, that children understand that you don't have to fit in. We can mm. all walk around very happily with these different beliefs and respect each other. I love that so much. And that, that comes up for us. Like we're, we're traveling the world and we're world schooling our kids. And that is exactly one of the reasons I came up with that idea. And I shared it with my husband last year. And thankfully he, he always supports my crazy dreams. And, um, you know, we like so far this year, we've lived in Turkey, Crete and Thailand. And right now we're in Malaysia. So very different cultures, very different, you know, environments. And that does come up. And I love how you just 
worded it so beautifully. Like it's, it's, it's okay to have those different belief systems. And the whole idea is to be able to respect and have that amazing, um, you know, understanding and be able to pass it down to our kids as well. I love that. Thank you for sharing that. Yeah. Well, actually, one of the things that crops up quite often is when I get teenagers coming in, particularly teenage girls who who often are embroiled in some kind of conflict or peer conflict Mm. or there's there's just a hierarchy going going on. And one person might have um, honesty and friendship as two of their top values, but another person might not. So you've got one person who's in the friendship group being completely honest and thinking that friendship is the most important thing, whereas somebody else might have creativity or independence as their as their top values, and they will just go off on different tangents. You know, neither one is right or wrong. They just have different ways of viewing the world and things that they find more important. So, you know, it's logical that there would be some conflict at some point. So I have a question with what you just said, you know, previously, actually, when you were talking about like things that are within our control and then things that are beyond our control. And I love that because that goes with like personal responsibility, right? You know, being proactive. So how do we take responsibility for our own mental health and how do we pass that down to our children? Like how can we role model it? How can we teach that to them as well? Yeah, I think... One of the, the most important points is to realize that mental health is a preventative mm-hmm. method of looking after yourself. I, I did a presentation That's today that. in a primary school and I said to the children, okay, so who knows how to keep healthy? Tell me some ways to keep healthy. And they all put their hands up. Yeah, we want to brush our teeth. We eat our vegetables. We go to sleep at a certain time. We do this. And I said, brilliant, that's all about your physical health. Now tell me, how do you keep your minds healthy? And they went, oh, and they they didn't really have any answers, which is why I was there giving the presentation. And I was saying to them, well, all these things as well that you're doing on a daily basis for your body, there are things that you can do for your mind as well. And when I go into schools, I often say to children, I don't tell them I'm a child therapist or a, a, a positive psychologist, I tell them that I'm a personal trainer for the mind. And I say, right, whose mums and dads go to the gym? Whose carers go to the gym? Or you go running? Who's got a personal trainer? And they'll put their hand up. And I say, well, I'm like that, but I'm for your mind. So I make you more mentally fit, more mentally tough, mentally stronger. And I say, how good is that? Can you imagine being stronger? And I said, all it takes is a few daily habits for you to do Every single day, just the same as you brush your teeth and look after your body, look after your mind and your mind will look after you. Mm. Amazing. And so that's a tweetable. Yeah. (laughs) I know. We're going to have to put that on our, on our, our graphic for this interview. Yes. Um, So like, so what would a few of those things be for kids? Because obviously as adults, you know, we have a lot of resources out there, but kids aren't really, you know, Googling this. They're not going on YouTube, like looking for it, you know? So what are some things that, that, you know, as parents that are listening that we could start working with our kids with so that they can get into those habits? Yeah. So I would, I'd give you five habits immediately to start with. And the first one is daily movement. 
So mm. just moving your body enough. You don't have to use the word exercise with children. For some children, it has a negative connotation for some reason, but moving your body enough so that you get out of breath and you can feel your heart going boom, boom, boom and saying thank you for getting the blood pumping around. Mm-hmm. Um, it helps you sleep. It's also great for children who've got anxiety-related behavior because that cortisol that's you know responsible for the stress response that can make children a little bit anxious, a little bit worried, have some excess energy, it can be used up during physical exercise. So mm-hmm. children then realize that having, being out of breath, having your heart beating really fast, being a little bit shaky, it doesn't have to just to be associated with anxiety. You also get that feeling after you've exercised. So one, you're getting rid of some of the excess energy, but two, the, the, the after effects of having exercise, children can then have a positive um, connotation with that as well and see the correlation between that and just feeling really good, you know, having all those endorphins going around your body and, and just feeling really, really great. So exercise, daily movement, get on the trampoline, go take the dog for a walk, run around the park, just do normal kid things. Love it. That would be number one. Okay. Um, yeah, do you want me to carry on or would you? Go yeah. for it. I'm, I'm making a man. <laughs> me too. <laughs> I can talk seriously all day about children's mental health. I feel very, very strongly about it. So I um, see your passion and I just love <laughs> your, your passion about it and just your love for kids. Like it's really like exuding. So thank you yeah. so much for sharing all of this. Oh, no, it's a pleasure. Yeah. Well, I get so many teenagers coming to me with really serious problems. Mm. So, you know, when it's therapy then becomes a reactive point of contact but talking now and giving all of these preventative methods and these daily habits, it is great because this is where I, you know, I want to educate people as much as possible. So anyway, back to the five well-beings. Um, <laughs> number two is gratitudes. Yeah. Gratitudes, just feeling grateful, feeling thankful. We hear it all the time. We see it on blog posts all the time. But do children really understand what it means and why it's scientifically been proven to enhance our positive emotions. So the answer is it, it increases dopamine in the body. It's, it's the hug hormone. It's that lovely feeling of fuzziness of, you know, of when you, you think about having a hug or you think about somebody that you love or uh, a lot of children have pets, thinking about your pet and what you're really, really grateful for, something that makes you smile. And that dopamine is a natural enhancer of your mood and positive emotions and really good for children who um, suffer with sleep. So ones that can't get to sleep, if you could get them into the habit of lying in bed and just going through a a few gratitudes, I'm really grateful for my family or I'm grateful for that bar of chocolate I had earlier or I'm grateful for that walk or anything that it is. Just get them thinking about it before they go to bed and it will relax them naturally. That's incredible. And I definitely need to do that with, with one of my sons because he, he's the kid that's just like, you put him in bed and it's like three hours later, he's still just looking around. I'm like, what is it? What? Like, go to sleep, you know? Like, but, <laughs> oh yeah. So, so that's definitely something I'd want to start incorporating into the kids because yeah. they do do that during the daytime because like my kids like to journal a lot, but 
I think yeah. maybe towards bed that might be really helpful for us. Yeah. Yeah. Love it's great. It. The mind's just going crazy before bedtime. And often that's when children have their little worry time, which we'll talk about a bit more as well in, in a minute. Yeah. Um, three is creating some mind space. Now mm. I use these child friendly terms. If I was talking to an adult, I would say words like meditation, mindfulness, getting into flow, things where you are able to manage the traffic of your mind. So I always say to the children, imagine your mind is like a really super busy highway and you've got loads and loads of traffic going around. You know, the, the green trucks represent your worries about school. The yellow Lamborghinis, I live in Dubai, so we've got quite a lot of Lamborghinis. <laughs> I, was, I was like, what? <laughs> Not mine. <laughs> um, the yellow school buses. They, re they, they represent your, your worries about your sports competitions or making the team and, you know, all these other little things that they worry about. And I say, right, just imagine if you practiced every day being able to slow that traffic down and moving the green trucks off the road, then practice moving the yellow buses off the road until eventually you're able to manage your mind so much that you've got a completely clear highway in front of you. Mm. So can you imagine how that would feel, being able to do that whenever you wanted to? I'm like, oh, wow, wow. I say, yeah, there's a way of doing this. And some people call it meditation, but you can call it mind space. And I bet you do it all the time. So you get them into this habit of, oh, okay, I can do this. You know, I'm the captain of my own mind here. I completely control where it goes, what it does, and how it thinks. And um, so I get them to do that. And I've got a little, just a five-day starter meditation program that I use with my clients. And it will just be, you know, the first day, just say your name over and over again. The right. second day, have a mantra, or I use an auto-suggestion. Um, it's a really famous one by Emil Kue. Every day, in every way, I'm getting better and better. Every day, in every way, I'm getting better and better. And again, we just keep practicing. They might do a tally. They might do a little tally chart, how many thoughts they have in a minute. And then by day five, they're just using a little glitter jar. We make glitter jars in the, I do these group coaching programs and they make these glitter jars. And I say, right, okay, now watch the glitter fall until the water is completely transparent and that represents your mind. Makes it really easy to focus and makes you creative and it makes you just be able to go and deal with anything that life brings you. Wow. That's so powerful. That's amazing. And Amazing. so simple, so simple. I think any parent here could make the little water with the glitter jars mm -hmm. and even do it with their kids. You know, I think we all need to take those breaks every day um, yeah. for for our, our mind space, like you call it. Um, mm -hmm. You know, so I think that's so incredible and so powerful and so simple. You know, I think we try to overcomplicate mental health and how we take care of our, our minds. Um, but that's so easy and so simple. So thank you. Thank you for sharing that. I love it. I'm writing that down. <laughs> yeah. Well, and I was going to say little kids. Oh, I'm so sorry. Go ahead, Claire. No, no, you go ahead. I was going to say little kids also love doing stuff like this. Like my daughter, she just turned five 
And whenever I'm doing yoga, right, every morning I like to do like a little bit of vinyasa for like 10 minutes, 15 minutes before I start my day. And if she's up by that time, you know, she'll come onto the mat and like literally under me and try to do that. And then usually after yoga, I'll sit and I'll do my meditation and she loves joining me. Like she'll say, like I say things like let go and she'll, she'll start singing, let it go the song from frozen. And I think it's just like innate with them. They want to be able to release um, emotions and, you know, kind of like have that breathing space. Yeah. And I think we can learn so much just from observing them naturally and what they do. You know, children are only born with two fears, a fear of falling and a fear of loud noises. Everything else has either been conditioned or has been a part of their external um, influences of, you know, what's happening around them. So this is a really interesting point as well that I raise with children. And I say, okay, right, when did you find, if they're you know, particularly fearful of something, when did you start becoming scared of that? What happened before you were scared of that? How did you deal with it? And, and again, just get them really investigating their own little timelines of, mm. of what's happened in their lives. So, um, yeah, that's, a, that's an interesting point you raised. Definitely, I learn a lot from children every mm. day just by watching them and what they do naturally. So that's a really, uh, really valid point, Yasmin, yeah. Um, number four is daily kindness. Now, again, mm. with children, I explain this as making another human being smile. And again, it goes back to, it goes back to the dopamine levels. It, it, it does, it's been scientifically proven now. The uh, area of positive psychology is, has proven this many times in lots of different positive psychology interventions. Random acts of kindness boost your positive emotions. Hmm. They make you able to um, broaden and build your awareness of what's going on so you have higher coping skills. Because what it does, it gets you out of your own mind. So when, you're, when people are catastrophizing or ruminating, which is what often people do if they've got some kind of anxiety-related behavior, they're fortune-telling about the future and things that could go wrong, it's bringing them back into this present moment and going, actually, get out of your head, look around you. What is going on outside of your head right now and how can you connect? How can you make a meaningful connection with another human being? Go and help your little brother or sister who's maybe usually really annoying. Go and help them with their, their Lego or go and help your mum make the bed. Go and help your dad um, make the dinner. Whatever is going on and do it because you just want to make that person smile, not because of any personal gains that you're going to get. And again, it's just a lovely little challenge that you can set children. And then you can say, right, if you want to go to a super high level of this, this is like pro level go and do something that makes somebody smile, but do it anonymously. That's like super sleuth level of random acts of kindness. Love that too. I love because that too. I think that, I think that sometimes kids forget that, you know, like even if a kid is a nice kid, um, they don't purposely, you know, go out and do something nice for a person. Um, and even as an adult, we forget to do that, you know, like we forget to do that every day. So I think this is a great reminder for anybody listening. And like you said, it, it actually helps you with coping skills. And I didn't even think about that. Like when you mentioned that, I was like, oh, like 
that that's even more of a reason, you know, for for us to want our our children to be doing these, you know, random acts of kindness. Um, because I didn't even think about that being something that can help them cope with, you know, what's going on with them. Yeah. Actually, there's a lot of research at the minute on on luck, the luck factor. In fact, my professor at my uni, that was something that he wrote his um, PhD on. It was about luck. And if you think about it, the more that you do for others, the luckier you become. So it is naturally going to increase your coping skills. You know, and just a very um, easy example of this, when my children were little, we, on the way to school, we used to do, how many people can you make smile? So it might be people who were just like really grumpy and looking like this, and then they'd wave, you know, or if the bus goes past and you've got people like looking really, really grumpy, and we just wave out the car at them. And when somebody is looking really, really despondent, and then all of a sudden they turn around and they give you this beaming electric smile, believe me, it goes through you like sunbeams. That energy that we can create with other people is yeah. magnificent. And of course, it is going to make you a luckier person. If you hold the door open for somebody just because it's going to make their life easier, you are naturally going to become a luckier person. People remember good manners. They remember somebody who went out of their way to help them a little bit. And it's just making, again, those meaningful connections with with other people. I love that. Yeah, I was uh, just thinking about... um how the all of these kind of things are so simple you know yeah. like we had mentioned before about like the mind space like you know just sitting down and looking at the glitter is so simple and it's the same thing with the kindness you know it's not like they have to go doing these huge astronomical giant things um to be kind to somebody else and even that could be just giving a person a compliment hey i really like your shoes or they're cool you know like like simple little things can really go a long way in the world. And I think if we can, and like you were kind of saying, almost like the, it helps really the kid kind of almost like come back to earth, like what's happening right now um, and makes them really present. And so I love all of this. So I'm, I'm excited to be incorporating all of these things with my kids. And I'm sure Yasmin is as well. Yeah, I'm like, this is awesome. Love it. I've got one more for you and for children, I call this the the brain dump, (laughs) which just like a dumper truck, it's just getting rid of anything, any of those old files. I often use the analogy of a, a computer with children and I think, you know, they're used to having their devices or they're used to doing upgrades and installations of software and things like that. And I say to them, imagine your brain is like a computer. Right. How many old applications have you got on your device now that you could really get rid of that would help really speed up the interface of your device? Now, imagine that is like your, your brain. So let's get rid of some of those, asked, those, last, um, those past regrets, those past worries, those um, you know, failures, things that we're not proud of, and let's just send them to the trash. And yeah. one of the easiest ways I say to for children to do this is I get them to make a little worry monster. I've got one here actually, I'll show you. (laughs) 
that is so cute. You can see them. They're all like, you can have a look. I've got them on my um, YouTube account. I think there's there's a, a YouTube video up there. You see them on Pinterest anywhere. It's just a tissue box. And the children, what they do is every time they have a worry, instead of that worry going around around their brain like a hamster wheel, they write the worry down. Write the worry mm. down. You become, again, the captain of your worries then. You are in charge. You are managing it. Put that worry in the monster. And then once per week, just once, allocate 20 minutes to go through all of those worries. And particularly if you're a nighttime worrier, get up. Instead of laying there for an hour, get up, write the worry down, put it on the paper. Because what will be keeping you awake for an hour is probably only one worry. And once you write it down and you make yourself accountable and say, right, uh, on a Saturday, 10 a.m. when it's nice and quiet in the house and I'm really calm, I am going to find solutions for those worries. So mm. then I say to the children, like, find your accountability time. And then I just, I just teach them self-coaching questions, really easy, basic NLP stuff. What can I start doing? What can I stop doing? What can I do more of? What could I do less of? Who is here to help me find a solution to this? What network do I have around me? What support do I have? And again, it just allows children to feel more in control and able to manage their thoughts and their worries and their concerns. So that, that's a really good one. And it just helps to free up some space for the mind so that they can focus, they can relax, they can be calm, become more calm. And, and they just go out in the world a lot more confident. Wow, that is, that is so powerful. Yeah, and I think with a lot of people, even as the entrepreneurs listening to this, even the adults um, and the parents, <laughs> yeah, um, I feel that's something like, you know, the insomnia and things that are happening at nighttime, it, it's just, we're worrying and thinking like, oh, what's this next thing? It's next thing, this next thing. And, and calming our mind down by letting the worry go and just be like, that's going to be taken care of later. You know, I think is, is very powerful. And I wish I would have done that when I was a kid, because I was one of those kids that I would be up to like three, four in the morning almost every night because I would just be constantly worrying about things all the time. And so I can see how this could be a really incredible tool for, for anyone that's having different worries. And my oldest son, he, he's always worries at night. So it's like he goes and lays down. And then 20 minutes later, he comes into my room and starts talking to me <laughs> um, and saying like, oh, I'm thinking about this or thinking about that or asking me different questions and things. And so I know that that's definitely um, the time for him where he, you know, things mm. popping up. He's like thinking about, oh, there's this trip coming up or this is happening or yeah, that's definitely that time. So, so I think all of these, you know, all these were so incredible and so simple and so easy to do. Um, with our children. And so, and then another thing, because we were talking about earlier, like almost how can we be an example to our children? Mm -hmm. And I feel like if we all started doing these things as adults, that's a very simple way to be the yeah. example to our kids. Because, um, you know, my kids, they love to journal because I journal. And so they're always journaling and writing down, you know, their thoughts and their feelings and things. And so I'm a big journaler. So it makes sense that my kids really like to journal too, right? My seven-year-old, not as much. He's like, my hand gets tired, you know, but like he's, he's getting used to it. But, um, so one of the he questions. He could do audio journaling. 
Yeah, that's true. He can talk to actually. He I got him that podcasting uh, app, mm-hmm. so he wants to start a podcast. So I was like, yeah. go for it, dude. Like whatever, you know. Um, so um, one thing that we really wanted to to touch base on on this on this um, interview before you know before we let you go here is we wanted to um, because as entrepreneurs, you know, a lot of us ourselves are working through mental health things. Um, how can we, you know, really notice the signs and kind of see when it's time that, you know, some of these things that maybe, you know, maybe we are doing the meditations, maybe we are doing these things for kids, but there's still something else going on there. How do we know when it's really time to intervene and, you know, say like, okay, maybe it is time for a therapist. Maybe it's time to, for our kids to get in a group. Like, how do we really know when it's time for that? Yeah, that's a really good point. I would say definitely watch behavior changes. That's obvious. Look for Uh, changes in appetite, changes in sleep patterns. And you know how we talked earlier about uh, the emotions taking over and children becoming very reactive, very emotive. uh, That is fine, obviously, to a certain extent. But when you notice that their emotions are really, really taking over, then that might be time for an intervention. Not necessarily a child therapist, but just some kind of intervention where you, they are aware that their health and their mental health and well-being is their responsibility. So just some, some having a chat with them. Uh, you know, there are loads of books as well online, some re- really, really great books um, to have a look at. Obviously, the more worrying aspect is if they become a danger to somebody else or a danger to themselves, which is more going into the adolescent stage. Mm. I would say if they're they're withdrawing a lot from social events or social interactions or um, really high-level separation anxiety is often, uh, you know, a sign it can be. But every single child is unique and different. So you're you're the parent... So I would say use your intuition, that great parenting intuition that you have when you think something is wrong, don't wait for it to snowball into a bigger problem. Don't wait because therapy is much, and the interventions that you know I do particularly, is preventative. Mm-hmm. There is lots you can do that's preventative. Really don't wait for something to escalate and snowball into this big problem where then therapy is reactive. Because then it become a thing, you know, what that a child has to deal with. And it's, it's so awful when the child comes to me and they, you know, they'll say all these labels like, oh, I'm anxious. Oh, my mom says I'm depressed. I'm this, I'm that. And I say, well, that's just something you're going through at the minute. That, that's not you because there's a million, trillion, billion different parts of you. That's just something that you're going through at the minute. And that's just a way that you're, you've got used to thinking but actually, look at you. Look, you're, oh, my mom, your mom's been telling me what you're up to at school. You're so creative. You're doing this. You know, you've got, you, you've got all these amazing ideas. So that's not, all, that's not all bad, is it? You've got lots to be proud of. And again, and just really building children up that everybody's different and everybody handles problems in a different way. Mm. That is so crucial. I mean, that just that labeling, you know, is sometimes what really makes it harder for the kids and for anyone really kids adults it doesn't really matter but once we label the person 
then it's not really what they're going through anymore. It's we identify that person as that. And I think there is something majorly wrong with that. Um, and I just loved what you just said. So thank you for sharing that. It's quite a long-winded answer. Yeah, basically in a nutshell, watch their behavior. If they're isolating themselves, that's a cause for concern. Keep in contact with teachers, keep in contact, just keep, just observe them. And you know as a parent if something's gone awry and, and reach out and ask for help. Uh, there's nothing to be ashamed of. There's, there's everything to be proud of because if the child was physically ill or something was not quite right physically, you go straight to a doctor. So yeah. just see it as exactly the same. Something's not quite right. The child's not flourishing or they're not as happy as they could be. Just go and get, go and get it sorted. Go and ask somebody for some help. Awesome. Thank and thank you so much for being such an incredible resource. I know um, we wanted to, you were mentioning, you know, books and there's all, there's all sorts of stuff for parents um, out there, which I feel like there's a lot more now because even when I first, um, you know, was pregnant with my first son, I started reading a lot of books on mental health because I'm someone where my family and my whole, like, I mean, generationals, have, you know, generations of, of people have a lot of mental health problems. And so I did start reading up on it because I was very concerned about this for my kids. And I feel like now there's even more books. Like there's just so many more studies that have been happening over the past 10 years. So I would love if you could mention maybe one or two books. And then, of course, if you have more, we'll make sure to include them into the show notes. But are there like one or two books that are just like really you're like every parent should read like this book? Yeah, I've got a few that uh, I actually started reading when I was studying for my master's. They were part of our core text of scientific evidence-based research. And one is Mindset by Dr. Carol Dweck. Yeah, love that book. Just one minute. It's a good job I'm actually in my office and I've got all these resources handful, handy. Okay, so this, this book, yeah. So Mindset. You can see all my notes and things here. I adore this book. It, it is it's great. And, yeah. and so much other things have, have come out of this. You know, the growth mindset, fixed mindset. There's a million things out there now about it. But if you actually want to know where it all stemmed from, stems from and the research behind it, Dr. Carol Dweck is your go-to lady on mindset work. She's phenomenal and a great asset for adolescents. Mm-hmm. Um, Angela Duckworth's Grit. Mm-hmm. Again, you can, see all the <laughs> you can see all my notes where I've uh, written uh, research projects and things on it. And again, you know, it's take, I don't know, I'd like to bust the myth that mm. positive psychology is kind of this fluffiness and it's all about happy and being happy and oh, it's not about that at all. It's about being resilient. It's mm. about believing in yourself and being a solution focused problem solver. Yeah. It's not, all, it's not all fluff and going and sitting on a mountain and doing meditation, you know, that that's or pretending to be happy, which a lot of people yeah. think being positive yes. is. You know, yeah. it's like, like, why do you pretend to be happy? It's like, no, it's not about pretending. It's about, you know, becoming, having that hope that things are going to be okay. Like, right. I don't know. That's how I see positivity. Yeah. Well, it's just riding the waves of emotions and challenges. Life is up and down. It's a roller coaster and it's just being mm-hmm. able to, to ride it 
And if you feel it's going down, just know ways that you can bring yourself back up again. And, um, and particularly with the re- resilience, that's a really, uh, it's been a really crucial aspect of my particular research with children is, is, you know, committing to something. If you're going to be on the team, be the best that you can get there, get to practice, get there early, do the work, you know, mm. get, actually get stuff done and, and feel proud of yourself that you've put the effort in and, uh, you know, you've made a difference to, to yourself. Um, So that's another one. Uh, Positivity by Barbara Fredrickson. This is a lovely one as well. Lots and lots of research into uh, the broaden and build theory of positive psychology. We're talking about um, coping skills and and increasing your positive psychology. So this, that's a really good book. And The How of Happiness. Love it. Love yeah, that. this is a nice one as well. And it's got lots of little uh, subjective well-being uh, activities that you can do as well. So kind of like happiness, uh, diagnostic activities that you can do. It's got some nice little practical things. Thank in you. It. Thank you for sharing those. And you said you also had a few resources because we were talking in our pre-chat that, you know, sometimes therapy can be a lot and especially for entrepreneurs who may just be beginning out in their businesses and they already have like some expenses. And of course, our kids are everything, you know, like their health yeah. is very important. But, you know, someone might be struggling and they may not have the money to spare for like therapy. And you mentioned a couple of resources. So would you want to yeah, like tell us yeah, the absolutely. best one? Yeah. So, yeah, therapy is extremely expensive if you go to a qualified registered um, practitioner. Um, yeah, so I would recommend obviously going to my website <laughs> and having mm-hmm. a look there because one of the areas that I, I research is online. Please share that with us right now. We'll have it in the show notes as well. Yeah, sure. So this is something I'm developing at the minute. Uh, my group coaching program, which is uh, all interventions to help increase well-being. I've, I've been running it now for nearly four years. It was a huge part of my dissertation and my research uh, for my thesis, and it's all evidence-based. So that's going online, and it's called Who Am I and What the Heck is Going On? Ah, so it's, it. a, it's a little online membership portal that children can log into. There are six different modules there about um, anger, what to do if, they, if they're getting a, a lot of anger, fear, worry, coping skills, ways to relax, positive self-talk, and they, the, the idea is that children will just simply be able to log in, go to the module that they need help with at that particular time in their life. There will be a workbook there. There'll be videos. There's an animation uh, with lovely graphics. There are pep talks from me. There's an audio. Uh, there's all sorts going on there. So it's a huge resource. I've, I've spent uh, you know, a number of years really researching it now and making it a valuable resource for young people. So there's that. I would also recommend for, particularly for adolescents and for um, adults as well, uh, to have a look at their character strengths. Again, I'll give you the, um, I'll give you the link, but it's uh, the valuesinaction.org, V-I-A.org, I think. I can't remember the website exactly now, but you can go on there and it's a little psychometric assessment of your character strengths. 
And I, I use it with all of my teenage clients. It is brilliant. And I think for like, I think it's $9 or something, you can get, you can download a full report, which gives children ideas on how to flex some of the other strengths that they've got to help them solve problems or it gives them ideas of songs to listen to that are really enhancing their strengths or films to listen to which might have characters in, in it with the same strengths uh, so again giving really good role models so that that's a brilliant one I'd really highly recommend that one and then just another one for children is I've just recently bought this book and it's by Matthew Saeed and it's called You Are Awesome. And I've just been flicking through this book, actually. It's number one bestseller in, in the UK. It is a lovely little book, really, really lovely. And a great one for younger children as well. It's got that kind of comic style. And uh, so I would recommend, I'd recommend that. And I noticed as well that... Did you ever watch Diary of a Wimpy Kid? Yeah. yeah. Okay, so I always was fixated with Rowley because Rowley is the epitome of positive psychology. Mm. Now, and I was thinking, oh, wouldn't it be great if, you know, Rowley became this role model for young children about how to implement all these mental health ideas? You know, Rowley's always gr grateful. He's got meaningful connections. He's kind to people. So I went on, I can't remember the author's name now. Anyway, I went on his Twitter and he is bringing out diary of an awesome kid that's amazing uh, yeah so that comes out in april 2019 so i'm i'm already pre-ordering that book that i can't wait to see what's in that book mm -hmm. i'm very that's awesome and so thank you for all of these amazing resources and your website is pivotalminds.com um right no, no S, Pivotal Mind. Pivotal Mind, no S.com. Yeah. And that is where you can, you know, find Claire, all of her resources. Um, if you're looking for any support for your kids, um, I know she does do things via Skype and things like that. Um, so definitely go check out her website, um, you know, and her, her your Instagram, you put all these little like bites, right, for kids. Like, yeah. They're called morning mind munchies. They're things morning mind munchies on the way to school in the morning to increase confidence. Yeah, so You're definitely just amazing, Claire. You're amazing. Yeah. I'm just like I feel so much joy in my heart right now talking to you. Yeah, she has so many resources, and it's Thank so you. incredible. And it's like exactly what I feel a lot of the listeners here need. They really want to have this type of support for their kids because, you know, oftentimes we didn't have these sorts of things when we were kids, you know, like I wish I would have had this type of, these types of resources and support when I was a kid. Um, so definitely everyone go to Claire's website, um, pivotalmind.com. And um, so Claire, do you have anything that you would really love to leave our listeners with today? Yeah, I would just say, um, just start adopting these daily habits every day of looking after and nurturing your mental health. A healthy mind in a healthy body, you will be able to deal with anything that comes your way. And I'm here. If anybody wants to reach out to me, I'm more than happy to take messages via Instagram, which is at Pivotal Mind. Go check out my YouTube channel. There's lots of things on there, loads of resources that I'm, I'm building up. And if you've got any, anything that you're going through and you'd like me to develop 
a video for it on the Mind Munches on YouTube. I'm more than happy to hear what you're going through and I'd love to be able to help in any way I can. Love it. Thank you so much for being on, Claire. Um, Yasmin, do you have anything else to add? I just want to say thank you. We really appreciate you. We honor you. Thank you for your time. Oh, it's been a pleasure talking to you, lovely ladies. Thank you for having me on. Thank you for lending us your ears. Please subscribe, rate, and leave a review so we know we're not talking to ourselves. If you love this episode and would like to dive deeper into healing your mind, body, and soul, make sure to check out bravevisibility.com forward slash circle to join our membership. Every month, we'll provide you with new trainings and resources on maintaining a healthy mind and most of all, a safe space to share and grow. Go to bravevisibility.com forward slash circle where you can have full access for $20 a month. Remember to use hashtag bravevisibility when sharing this episode online. Follow us on social media at bravevisibility and catch us on the next episode. Till then, live bravely.